And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning and welcome to the pre-Thanksgiving edition. This is like the pre-football game you know, lineup here, right? <laughs> of the Real Investment Show, of course. Uh, it's, this is a holiday shortened week, so it's a holiday shortened show. See you tomorrow. <laughs> uh, just, just joking. Um, of course, yesterday, markets had a very, very good day, up about uh, 1% or so uh, by the close of the day. Nice, steady uptrend all day. That was encouraging. And again, don't read a lot into it. We, we've talked about this before. Pre-Thanksgiving trading is very light. There's nobody around. All the professionals have long left. They're over in the Hamptons enjoying, you know, getting set up for their weekend uh, booze fest. So, you know, nothing will really count until next week. But hey, you know what? Good news yesterday. Again, the, you know, the markets uh, did, you know, make a bit of a rally here and um, kind of at the top of its little trading range at the moment. And that's okay. Nothing, nothing wrong with that at all. We've just been in this consolidation range now for really the last two weeks, haven't really gone anywhere. And these consolidations are actually, can be good or bad, right? So uh, markets can consolidate um, on a short-term basis and kind of work off this overbought condition. That's not really happening this time. We're really just kind of stuck between the 100-day moving average and the 200-day, just really not able to move much of anywhere. I suspect that we'll probably get a little bit of selling pressure in the first couple of weeks of December, as we've talked about. So again, continue to kind of use this space here to uh, lift a little bit of equity exposure, raise a little bit of cash, go into the holidays, enjoy yourself, and then next week we'll figure it out. Um, you know, one of the interesting things that's going to be the big conundrum for next year is what's going to happen, right? I mean, uh, right now we've talked about before is that there is the highest expectation on record for a recession. Recessions have never, never been this well forecast in the past. Um, generally, nobody thinks a recession is coming. Everything is, is honky-dory. It's a soft landing economy, Goldilocks economy, whatever it is. Nobody ever really predicts a recession. This time, everybody's talking about having a recession next year. So one of the outcomes next year, it's hard to imagine, as I've said before, is we don't have a recession. Somehow we narrowly avoid it. I don't know how, but it's possible. And so as we talked about with Mike yesterday, you kind of, you know, got to leave part of the portfolio open to that possibility just because, again, when everybody expects something, I was old Bob Farrell saying, when everybody expects something to happen, something else tends to occur. And that's part of contrarian investing is kind of being on the other side of the coin of where everybody's currently expecting something to happen. And like I said, right now, everybody's expecting a recession. You know, mortgage demand is, is, you know, is falling as interest rates go up, housing prices are going down. And, you know, this is, you know, just kind of what, what is happening, right? And just, you know, people are trying to figure all this out. So again, as we go into next year, the big question for 2023 is, do we have a recession or not? And what does that mean for where markets are? Are markets fairly priced or not? If we don't have a recession next year, maybe this is the bottom, right, that we're building here for the markets. Again, hard to imagine. Um, earnings estimates are still very high. Valuations are still very elevated. Seems like we've got to work through a lot of that stuff next year. Uh, so again, I, I would expect next year is going to be a challenging year for markets as well, at least in the first half of the year. And a lot of this has to do with the Federal Reserve. Now today, 
we're going to get the uh, the minutes from the last FOMC meeting. So we'll get some clarity from these minutes about what the Federal Reserve was talking about at their last policy meeting when they hiked rates 75 basis points. Is that's everybody's going to be looking for clues as to the pivot, right? Is the Fed ready to pivot? Are they going to start slowing down the pace of rate hikes? And again, as we talked about with Mike, a pivot is not just slowing down the pace of rate hikes. They're still hiking rates and tightening monetary policy. A pivot is reversing rate hikes, right? Starting to reduce rates and do, go back to QE. That's a pivot. There's going to be no indication of that in these minutes today. Probably we'll get some pretty good clues that the Fed's going to hike 50 basis points in December and with a view towards economic data, employment particularly, and inflation to drive the meetings over the, uh, drive their decisions over the next few policy meetings. One thing the Fed, the markets will be looking for is if the terminal rate where the Fed will likely stop hiking rates is moving higher. Right now that's expected to be about 5%. So with this kind of minutes when they come out and concerns over inflation, did that potentially rise to five and a quarter percent or five and a half percent? So uh, that's going to be one of the big takeaways from today's FOMC minutes when they come out this afternoon. So we'll, you know, we'll certainly talk about that uh, on our next show. Um, outside of that, though, again, you know, this is uh, pre-Thanksgiving holiday. The cost of Thanksgiving obviously going up for everybody. In fact, more people are swapping from turkey to chicken, not because of the cost, but because of the taste. Um, <laughs> Chicken's just better, especially when it's barbecued with a little bit of mm-hmm. you know sauce on the sides, right? Smoky flavor. Exactly. No, I'm just teasing. Cost of turkeys are very uh, expensive, and so that's you know um, going to be one of the costs. Um, you know, outside of that, travel is up this year in terms of both you know and and, and surprisingly, right? The the number of people traveling in Texas this year for Thanksgiving in particular, but nationwide is back really towards that kind of pre-pandemic level. But the cost of travel has gone up rather markedly, not surprising, fuel costs, etc. So the cost of celebrating Thanksgiving much higher. The question now becomes, of course, retail sales as we move into the last month of the year. Of course, we've got Black Friday, which kicked off a month ago, but technically Black, <laughs> Black Friday will be day after tomorrow. Uh, there's a great comedian out right now, and he does spoofs. He, he trolls people on the Internet. And uh, I haven't heard of that ever happening. That never happens. No. But he actually, he actually is very funny about it. Um, just recently, a guy uh, had tweeted to uh, uh, Macy's, that, you know, are you going to be open on Thanksgiving? And they said, no, we're not open on Thanksgiving. And, and so he creates a whole dummy page <laughs> that looks just like Macy's. And he starts responding to this guy as Macy's and tells like, you know, the reason we're not going to be open on Macy's is because we just don't like you. So, <laughs> you know, so, you know, but yeah, but Black Friday's now moved up to, to I guess, kind of grayish Thursday. Yeah, by the time Black Friday gets here, it's going to be gray. Yeah, it's already, it's yeah. already done. Uh, but we'll be watching those Black Friday sales very importantly because that's going to be kind of the real read on consumer spending and consumer health. Consumer confidence continues to languish here. And again, just with the high cost of everything right now, people have been turning to credit card debt, obviously, to make ends meet. That's going to all show up potentially in Christmas shopping as we start shopping for those Christmas holidays. So, uh, so again, really over the next month, we're going to get a pretty decent read on what's happening with the consumer. And that's gonna really kind of lay the base case 
um, for the outcomes next year. Now, uh, recently you just saw Best Buy, we saw Target, we saw Walmart all announce earnings. And what was important is, is their outlook. And for instance, Walmart did very well because their outlook was not as bad as expected. But that's the key sentence takeaway of these earnings. They've not been as bad as expected. They're still not great. And that's hard to build a bullish case on not great earnings. I mean, they're still expecting a sales decline, just not as bad as what was previously projected. So stocks have been rallying a bit on less than worse bad news, right? But that's really hard to build a bullish case on still declining sales, revenue growth. Obviously, that's going to eat into earnings growth as well. And markets are still very overvalued. Uh, currently. And, and again, as prices rise against the backdrop of falling earnings, that keeps valuations elevated. So we're not really working off that overvaluation in the markets, particularly when we have these bullish rallies in the markets against these backdrops of not as bad as expected earnings. So a lot of things to be thinking about. One thing to, though we are going to talk about moving into next year is the 60-40 allocation debt. Right. I mean, so the premise has been as of late, the only place to be is in stocks because interest rates are only going to go higher from here. Bonds are dead. Is that the case? We'll talk about that after the break. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the Internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. In 1999, a parafiduciary group of financial advisors were busted by corporate giants for trying to operate in their clients' best interest. These men promptly escaped from a high-cost margin environment to the Houston Energy Corridor. Today, still excoriated by their former employers, they survive as protectors of others' fortunes. If you have a problem about preserving capital, if no one else can help, and you can find them right here, maybe you should hire the RIA team. The Real Investment Show. Yep. <laughs> Got my signals crossed. <laughs> no worries. All right. Welcome back to the show this morning. I'm your host, Lance Roberts, of course. Danny Ratliff, uh, certified financial planner, joining me as well. Uh, talking a little bit about the 6040 portfolios I left off just for the break. You know, there's a lot of uh, angst over bonds this year because of um, interest rates going up as the Fed hikes rates. And this is, of course, brought out lots of articles recently as like the 6040 allocations now officially dead. And the question is, really, is it right? That's the that's kind of the the big thing over the years. And if you go back over the last hundred years, and I said, what was the best performing asset allocation? One hundred percent stocks, zero percent stocks, or sixty percent stocks, forty percent bonds? What would you think in your head? Yeah, most people would say stocks. Most people would say one hundred percent stocks. That's not true. The sixty forty allocation is outperformed being in, invested solely in the stock market index over very long periods of time. And the reason is, is obviously periods of reduced volatility. When you have big market declines, you lose more in equities than you do in a 60-40 allocation. This year has been a bit of an anomaly because you've had the biggest bear market in bonds in history going back to 1788. 
So both bonds and stocks were hit this year, and that's really put a drag on portfolios. And, you know, this obviously brings up concerns that, oh, my gosh, now the 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 bond vigilantes have finally returned and the 60-40 allocation is dead. Okay, if it's dead, that's fine. So you're going to be 100% stocks now, right? So that's that's the real issue. And, and the reality is, is that as in all things, over time, there's always these moments in time where something occurs that is unintended, unexpected, or unforeseen. And, you know, we have these things occur, right? Nobody expected the Lehman crisis. Nobody expected the dot-com crash and Enron and World WorldCom and all this. Nobody ever expects these things. They happen. They're considered once in 100-year events. Then we have them about every 10 years. So, you know, uh, just kind of the way things happen. But the question now going forward into next year you have to start thinking about what's going to happen next, right? So, you know, are we going to have a recession? I was just talking about a few minutes ago that right now you have more people than ever. This is the most well-forecasted recession ever in history. Does that mean we don't have one, right? It's possible. But the Fed is hiking interest rates, right? What happens if they break something and interest rates start to fall? What, what asset classes tend to perform the best in recessionary environments or in you know, bigger market declines if we have one. Again, this is all big ifs, right? We're not saying that, you know, and again, the one thing we always want you to take away from the show is that, you know, there's a lot of podcasts out now and there's some guy on there saying, oh, the world's definitely going to end next year. This is going to happen, ABC, and the dollar's going to zero and the economy's going to implode. We're all going to be living on beanie weenies. You know, there's a lot of those people out there that are that are putting up that forecast. So you should only be in gold, right? You should only own gold and precious metals. You can do that, but there's a risk. What happens if that doesn't turn out to be the case, right? And so when we talk on this show, we're always talking about possibilities and probabilities and, you know, how to navigate that as it comes. And, you know, as data changes, we're going to change our opinion and our allocations. That's just the part of money management. As, as we go through cycles, things change. So if you think about where we are now as we go into next year, if the Fed is cutting interest rates, if the Fed is returning back to QE, if the Fed does pivot, what does that mean for bonds? What does that mean for stocks, right? Could you have another year where both bonds and stocks go up in price versus down in price, right? So there's all these questions that we're going to have to answer. But Danny, what are your thoughts next year as we get into uh, the next market regime? Yeah, I think we're in a really interesting environment, especially considering where we are today, what we've been through this year, especially with bonds being down as much as they have been. You know, JP Morgan Asset Management came out and said, listen, they believe a 60-40 portfolio is going to return 7.2% over the next 10 to 15 years versus 4.3% is what the expectations were last year. Nice. So like you mentioned, you know, once you see some of these bigger dislocations in markets, you start to change the data. But I think that we can make an argument that the 60-40 portfolio is dead or should be dead. Mm -hmm. Right. We should be using that as a benchmark, not necessarily a a set guide that this is exactly what we're going to do. And unfortunately, that's what many major institutions do. They sit, sit it and forget it. And that's right. it. And they say, hey, 60, 40, regardless of the time, we're going to consistently re rebalance. And that's why there's so many people out there that are seeing terrible returns this year in a portfolio like this. And so, as you mentioned, as the data changes, we need to change and adapt as well. So underweight. Uh, you know, different areas. Like, for instance, we're underweight bonds at the moment. We're also underweight stocks. Um, and there's going to be times that we're going to be overweight them mm -hmm. in different environments. And so I think that that's the problem with the industry at this point, Lance, is that 
it is too easy to just say, hey, we're going to buy and hold. Don't worry about it. Look at these past returns. These are great. But listen, if you're going into retirement or you're retired right now and you've done just that, I mean, I'm not saying you're in trouble, but it doesn't feel nearly as good as what you've always expected. Yeah, no, it's true. I was doing an interview for uh, the Millennial Investor podcast yesterday. Yep. And uh, it's interesting because, you know, this, it's, the, the host is this very young female and, and she's very smart, CFA. Um, but she's very young, mm-hmm. right? Never seen a bear market. And so we, you know, we're having these conversations and she's fascinated. She reads our stuff religiously, right? Because she's just fascinated by the stuff that we talk about because she's never experienced it, right? She's never, you know, she's never seen a bear market. She's never been through a real bear market. So the, the conversation is always very interesting because she's asking what I think are very rudimentary questions about how the market works. But I have to remember that, most millennials have never seen a bear market. They don't understand what happens in a bear market. And this has been one of those years where, you know, stocks are down, bonds are down, gold's not working. Nothing is working the way it's supposed to work. You know, yeah. what we've all been told, um, you know, just put your money into a, a spread of index mutual funds and you're fine. And all of a sudden that's not working very well. And, and so now they're trying to figure out, well, you know, what happens next, right? This is, is where we go. And so we had these conversations about passive investing yesterday. And, and, this, and this whole idea is just, you know, you're supposed to just invest money, to your point, invest money into this allocation, just leave it alone, don't worry about it. And that's fine as long as, you know, that's an easy thing to do as long as markets are going up. When markets, when nothing's going up, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden it calls into goes like, well, I'm just losing money every day. And, you know, I need, I, I'm, you know, I, we get emails, um, you know, every day from people. And it's like the, the tagline at the bottom of the emails, I just want to stop losing money. And, you know, losing money is part of the portfolio management process. That's going to happen. And in, in a down market, you're going to be down. And, you know, we've got to get back to a realization of what our goal is over time, which is to grow capital over a long period of time. And that doesn't mean it doesn't come without some level of volatility along the way. You know, it's interesting. You think this year is bad for the 60-40 allocation. 60-40 allocation models are down about 14, almost 15% this year. 16 is what the benchmark is as of yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Okay, so 16. There you go. So 16% down um, for 60-40 allocation. 2008, the 60-40 allocation, that was down 20.8%. Now, 20.8% versus 50% for stocks. And that's on average, right? right? I mean, some firms were down much more, some were down a little yeah, bit yeah, less. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. We're, I mean, talking, about the, we're just talking about the benchmark. Yeah. Right, yeah. We're just talking about, you take S&P 500 and benchmark ag, right? And yep. blend those together. So, yeah. So, yeah, some firms were better off, some some were worse off. But again, if you're just looking at stocks versus bonds, stocks were down 50% in 2008. 60-40 allocation was only down 21-ish. So again, you know, there's been periods of time where it's been worse than it is now, but the reason it feels so bad this year is because bonds are down so much. In 2008, bonds weren't down that much. So even though the portfolio benchmark was down, that was primarily equities driving the index down. This year, it's bonds and stocks both driving the index down. So there's, it feels like there's no safe place to hide and for you know, young investors. And now what are well, they for doing? For anybody, right? Well, for anybody, but in particular, this whole idea of just buying and holding is starting to come into question. Yeah, and, and I think that's, look, who's that good for? It's great for the advisor. It's really easy. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but, but at the end of the day, you need to think about where you are, what these funds are for. Look, each one of these investments is a tool, and it's a tool to get us to an objective. And we have to remember what these funds are for. And look, 
there's going to be times, you know, we always talk about anchoring, Lance, that we always want to anchor to the high water mark. And, oh, my gosh, we're down X amount. But where were we from two years ago, from three years ago, from four years ago? Are you mm-hmm. still able to pay your bills? Have you been able to reach your goals, your objectives of what these funds are for? And are you going to be able to continue to do so? And I think that's what we need to keep in sight because we're going to have years like this. We're going to have down markets. We're not going to be able to control that. Now, we're going to be able to mitigate some risk by not just setting it and forgetting it. That's going to be what's going to be beneficial over time is that, look, we can maybe we're not down instead of you know 16 percent. Maybe you're down eight, nine, 10. You know, that's a different story. And it's a lot easier to recoup from that. And knowing that you're working hard towards some objectives, I think that is the key in understanding where these funds are going at the end of the day. And that's what we all need to keep in mind. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Um, but, you know, speaking of that, we're getting ready to wrap up the year anyway. So, you know, lots of, you know, again, you know, one of the bad mistakes that we do as investors is we measure our kind of our performance from January the 1st to December 31st, and then we just reset everything on January 1st of the next year. So the good news is, is this year will be over very shortly. <laughs> yeah, but do you remember how we And you'll be starting always, from zero again. It's like during the pandemic, like, oh, man, 2020, we can't wait till 2021 gets here. And you're like, oh, crap. Yeah. You know, so just say, hey, be careful what you what you ask for. Yeah. Next year is going to be next year is going to be interesting. I, I, you know, honestly, recession, no recession, Fed cutting rates, Fed hiking rates. I mean, it's just there's really no kind of view as to what next year is going to look like. And, you know, we'll just navigate it here with you as we go along um, and just kind of adapt as things occur. And, and again, I just think next year could be full of some surprises, both good or bad, yeah. you know, that nobody's currently thinking about. Well, it's going to be interesting to see because this is a time of year where everybody sets their forecast for 2023. Yeah. And it's going to be all over the place. It has to be. Yeah. And, and you, would th- is- you would think so, but they're all bullish. Yeah. Well, they're all of them bullish. are expecting, uh, you know, Goldman Sachs out this morning. No recession in 2023. They're one of the few. And higher asset prices. Well, but the other guys say, hey, we're going to have a recession, but don't worry. Asset prices are going up because why? Because they have something to sell you. <laughs> Speaking of selling, uh, Black Friday uh, starts uh, a month ago, but really gets into gear tomorrow. Cost of uh, Black Friday, cost of Thanksgiving. We'll talk about that and how consumers are dealing with it after the break with Danny Ratliff. Don't go away. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com in 1999 a parafiduciary group of financial advisors were busted by corporate giants for trying to operate in their clients best interest these men promptly escaped from a high cost margin environment to the houston energy corridor today still excoriated by their former employers they survive as protectors of others' fortunes. If you have a problem about preserving capital, if no one else can help, and you can find them right here, maybe you should hire the RIA team. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. Black Friday started a month ago, but technically starts tomorrow. They just they don't call it Black Friday anymore, right? 
It's just now Thanksgiving weekend shopping. Well, in, in this environment, anyways, if you look at what people have been spending, evidently every day is Black Friday. So <laughs> right. what does it matter? <laughs> exactly. Uh, what's interesting is of the National Retail Federation, they are the always optimistic, you know, uh, group, trade group for retailers. So they never have bad things to say. It's always optimistic. It's always exuberant about what's going to happen. Estimating 166.3 million shoppers this Thanksgiving holiday shopping weekend. Uh, that is slightly above 2019 of 165 million. Now, what's interesting about that, of course, is, is that uh, the number of the amount of sales is also slightly higher than it was in 2019. That's not really that great of a story because inflation in 2019 was about 2 percentish versus 8%-ish this year. So sales should be markedly higher. Again, we're, we're, we're talking about this in dollar sales, not volume, right? They're not talking about slightly higher volume of purchases. They're talking about slightly higher dollar sales. That means that people are actually consuming less because they're paying more for stuff. But top, uh, the uh, personal shoppers by day, 32 million on Thanksgiving Day. That will not be me including in that. I'll be on nope. the couch. Uh, Black Friday, 114 million. That will not be me either. Uh, exactly. 60 million on Saturday, 31 million on Sunday, and 63 million on Cyber Monday. I might be there. I might be at Cyber Monday. My wife's birthday is fast approaching, and she wants something that I cannot get, period. So. So you and you think Cyber Monday is the place to do no, this? No, I'm, I'm gonna have to find something else because what she wants, and I can't say it on the air because she might be listening this morning. So I don't want to tell her what it, what I'm looking for. You but know she doesn't listen, Lance. It's probably except true. to get intel on you. Probably. Yeah, I know. Well, no, she does. She normally doesn't listen, but this would Kidding. be the one morning because she's off work today that she might be listening. But anyway, she wants this one item. Cannot find it. They don't make it anymore. It's a collectible collectible edition of something. And interesting. It's, yeah, and. You know, so. we should get McCole to go try to find her something again. Yeah, no doubt. That worked out so well last time. Oh, when, I got the, when I got the bill for that gift, I was like, nope, not doing that one again. I'm sorry. Where's the receipt? So uh, top toy holidays for 2022 for boys. Lego, Barbie. I'm sorry. Wait, that's for girls. Uh, Lego, Hot Wheels. Well, these days you just don't know for sure. Uh, Lego, Hot Wheels, Cars and Trucks, PlayStation, Video Games, Pokemon, Nerf, Electric RC Cars, Dinosaurs, and Xbox. Uh, for girls, Barbie, doll in general. Uh, LOL dolls. Got me. Legos for girls. Makeup, uh, Squish Marshmallow, Squish Mallows, American Girl Apparel, Disney-related items, Barbie doll, uh, sorry, Baby doll, and cell phone magic mixes. So there you go. This, Man, I can believe the cell phones. So my daughter had, she's nine. She had, I don't know, six or seven girls over. My wife decided to punish herself and said, oh, yeah, everybody come over. Like after school one day last week. And um, everybody's got phones. Oh, yeah. Well, I showed up. I said, hey, I've got a little window. I can make it home between meetings. It was like four o'clock on Friday, I think. And she's like, oh, yeah, we're going to go somewhere. Don't worry about it. I pull up. There's like seven girls at the house. I'm like, this is stuff you tell me. Um, cause I can't work in peace. Now I'm just gonna sit in the car. Um, but, um, uh, every one of them had a cell phone. Except your kids. Except mine. And they're all sucking on your oh, bandwidth. Yeah. Well, and every one of them now, uh, well now every one of my kids thinks that they deserve a cell phone, oh, yeah. which they will oh, yeah. not be getting. Yeah. 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 So they're so deprived. Oh, they, that yeah. If you ask them true. extremely deprived, Yeah, they live in the story. No McDonald's. Uh, 
Yeah. No cell phones, no video games. How will they ever advance to adolescence? He's raising cavemen. I, I think we are, man. If you look at the <laughs> look at the way this works, and that you would think that's what they think, right? Because hey, I've got a nine-year-old granddaughter. Yeah. My kids are living the same thing. Good, good. Yeah. Paying for the raising. Glad yeah. we're not the only ones. Yeah. But, wait, so my, all my kids came home last night from college. So all the kids were at the house last night. And we're all sitting around and we're all talking about, you know, life now that now that they're out having to do stuff. So my daughter got a speeding ticket. Okay. Oh. Um, and so she had called my wife and said, you know, what do I got to do? And my, and, and my wife's like, you need to take care of it. Click. <laughs> and so then she calls me. She goes, what do I do with the speeding ticket? I said, read the back of the ticket. Click. Because they have to start figuring this stuff out, right? Yeah, so yeah, it yeah. turns out she reads it. She figures out she's got, she can take defensive driving because she's never had a ticket before. So you've got to send in the paperwork, and that's a whole ordeal for right? Filling out, and then you have to put it in an envelope, seal the envelope, get a stamp, mail this thing in to this little podunk town in the middle of nowhere between Lubbock, Texas, and, and oh, San Marcos, right? <laughs> And she, she's like, I've never done any of this before. It's like going to the post office. She goes, you know, go to the post office. That's a shady experience. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then try to, and then the lady says, would you like this, you know, delivered, you know, oh, you know, uh, express delivery. And, and she's like, yeah, that'd be great. She goes, that'll be $27. And, and, and she's like, is there like a slow delivery? And she goes, yeah, it's 50 cents. She goes, I'll do that one. Yeah, of course. <laughs> And then, and then she's got to go to the bank. This is the best part, right? She has to go to the bank to get a cashier's check. Why? Because she doesn't have a checkbook. Everything yeah. she does, you know, all every all the kids are all online, right? It's Venmo. It's and she's like, how is it in this day and age that you know people don't have a Venmo account to send money to? Well, and we I'm, are talking about the government here, so exactly. You know, and so she had to go to the bank and, and figure out that she's got. She calls my wife. She says, "I'm at the bank. Don't hang up on me." And then trying to go through this whole ordeal of just getting a cashier's. How do check. you write the, the, was, the withdrawal yes, slip? Oh, yeah. it was a amazing and, and but she had to go through this experience but she was terrified and i'm like if this is any representation of what life is going to be in the future i mean having to deal with another human being is a terrifying experience oh yeah you know and we were like look this is just part of growing up and when you, if you want to be in oil and gas sales that's what she wants to do you're going to be dealing with people every day you better get over this whole idea of being afraid to talk to somebody well, and I think that that's something that, you know, we do a really good job, I feel like, with financial education, just yeah. like not just with what we do here, but outside the show, we do lots of webinars, we do kind of, you know, our candid coffees, we do workshops, but we forget the simple, basic stuff mm -hmm. that I think the kids have to go through this day and age, because they didn't grow up with that, you know, pass, uh, you know, the passport savings accounts. They didn't yeah. grow up doing these different types of, uh, of ways to save. And it's it's probably to their detriment that they don't even know how to write a check. You know, we don't do the personal finance 101 right. anymore. I mean, what, what well, happened that's, to that's, that? That's where I figured out my shortfall last night having this conversation is that I forgot to tell her how to balance a checkbook because it's all done online now. Well, right? she probably never sees you do it, right? I mean, right, it's all online. You yeah, know, it's every you know everything just download into QuickBooks and there you go, right? Yeah. Um, you know, but the whole idea of having to balance a checkbook, write a check, you know, these are basic fundamental skills that. Even if you never use them again, it's it's important to understand the con it's like algebra, right? 
<laughs> when are you going to use it? When are you going to use algebra? Unless you're an engineer or something, right? Yeah. But like normally you take algebra and it's like, when am I ever going to need to know when X equals Y, right? It's not that. It's just understanding the premise of how you get from point A to point B and sourcing information. And yeah, I forgot to teach this one little basic skill. Yeah, so, but but that's that's an easy thing to overlook because yeah. when when do they ever need that until they actually do? Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and the thing is, is like you know, we we the way we treat them is kind of like uh, the way my dad taught me to swim, which is there you go. Yeah. Um, that's the if same you get thing back to parents, the edge before you drown, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of the way we do it. Lives like, hey, figure it out. You're an adult now. Figure yeah. it out. And yeah. then if you really get in trouble. Give me a call. I'll help you out. I think back to my speeding ticket. My dad was was working, and I I was on I guess his prepaid legal, and I found out. <laughs> and he basically said, "Don't you know? You do something, you screw up, you fix it." Yeah. Um, and uh, so I thought I thought I fixed it without him knowing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess kind of like deferred adjudication or something. But I had this guy represent me and take care of it. <laughs> so how fast was she going, Lance? Uh, like eighty. She was doing like uh, eighty two. She was like 82, and she thought the speed limit was 75. She was in the was slow 70. lane, right? No, no. There's a two-lane highway in the middle well, of nowhere. Well, man, up there by Lubbock, it's like 80, 85. Yeah, yeah. No, she was driving like 82, and, was, and she thought she was in the 75-mile-an-hour speed zone, and it was 70. And so he nailed her uh, for being 12 miles yeah. over the speed limit. But, you know, it, it wasn't that big of a deal. Not like my son, who we have this app called Life360 where we just kind of keep track <laughs> on our kids. Um, <laughs> you know, just where we know. But the thing is, is what Life360 will do is tell you when they're driving. So as soon as my son leaves his dorm or, or my daughter leaves her dorm, it dings me and says, okay, she's on the road, she's driving. And so I got this, <laughs> so Tommy was coming into Houston from A&M and I got this ding, Tommy, Tommy is on the road. Well, it also tells you if they're driving excessively fast. And I look down, he's driving 116 on the <laughs> on this road. I, <laughs> and I called him on the phone and I was like, slow your ass down. <laughs> And he's like, okay. Yeah, not only are you going to get a ticket, but you're going to go to jail. (laughs) Exactly. And if you hit somebody, it's going to be even worse. Well, that's why I told him. I said, you know, at that speed, you know, and and again, he's he's stupid. He's just, he's young. Um, You know, but at that speed, you know, something breaks, you have a blowout. There is no recovery. Yeah. You just do not recover from that. And so it was a, that was another hard lesson we had to have a big discussion on. Yeah, like, okay, listen, I'm going to take this tire off, this wheel, yeah. you get it back when you... <laughs> exactly. In about well, a month. You know, but, hey, you know, the thing is, I always have to, when these things happen, I've always got to remember, I did that same stuff, right? You know, and, and so it's like, look, I did that. I used to race cars when I was age, his age, right? Yeah, so yeah. I've done that. It's in his blood. It is, unfortunately. But... <laughs> Now you, you you make your two mile trek from the office to, to, <laughs> to the house and yeah, back, back right? and forth. Yeah, and, it's, yeah, yeah. Anyway, hey, we'll we'll talk about those retail sales and uh, consumer spending. Come back from break. Don't go away. Daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. In 1999, a parafiduciary group of financial advisors were busted by corporate giants for trying to operate in their clients' best interest. 
Wiseman promptly escaped from a high cost margin environment to the Houston Energy Corridor. Today, still excoriated by their former employers, they survive as protectors of others' fortunes. If you have a problem about preserving capital, if no one else can help, and you can find them right here, maybe you should hire the RIA team. The Real Investment Show. Welcome back to the show. So, uh, sorry we got sidetracked in that last segment a little bit. Uh, happens when Danny's here. We're still talking about kids. Um, oh, not everybody's falling asleep today, so it's good. <laughs> so, what's that tracker again? 360 what? Life 360. Need to get that from my wife. Yeah. It's actually, you know, it's, of course, they're tracking everything that goes on, but, you know, it's... So, what all does it track? Because I'm not at the point now where I need that. I've heard of this, but... Well, you, hey, your kids have to have a cell phone. Yeah. So you're going to have to... We're not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. So when you get there, once they have a cell phone, the family can subscribe to this program, this app called Life360, and it basically tells you they're... they're, It's not exactly precise, but it's within, you know, a few hundred feet of their location. Yeah. So like when my kids say, oh, I'm going here, I can look and make sure they actually went there. Yeah, you know, there was a whole episode we were talking about last night as we were all sitting around, and I, my kids always think they get away with stuff, right? That just as you know, we as we were growing up, we always thought we could pull stuff over in our family, but we could do it easier because there wasn't the technology yeah, there yeah. is today. So they, they, there was a one of their friends had a birthday party, and she she was turning eight. It was her 18th birthday party, so she rented a hotel room, and so they were all piled up in this hotel room, and we looked on our phones, right? It says, your kids are, you know, at this hotel, and we're like, get your ass home right now, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so, you know, it's just, it tells you kind of right where they are. It tells you if they're speeding, if they're braking too hard, you know, if there's an accident, it alerts you immediately. Wow. So, pretty nice. you know, it, it is. I mean, you know, just, you know, especially when our kids are so far away. I've got one in Lubbock, one in College Station. You know, it just, you know, kind of just gives us a little bit of peace of mind. We yeah. kind of at least know generally where they are. We don't know exactly what they're doing, but we know kind of generally where they are. Yeah, no, so. that's good. That's nice to be able to do that, give you peace of mind, and then also let them know, hey, you can't get away with much. Yeah, yeah. And, and every now and then they try to, like, turn their off their location, and it's like it tells you uh, Tommy has turned off his location. It was like I call him, turn your location back on. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, but, but. I'm like, you want to start paying for your cell phone bill? Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Bad service. <laughs> exactly. I can't hear you. <laughs> Donald. Uh, anyway. Yep, yep. So, uh, all right. Let's talk about uh, inflation. Uh, so, again, we're talking about shopping, retail sales expected to be up this year. And, again, it's not a volume thing. It's a dollar thing. And that's because of inflation. People buying more uh, in dollar volume, right? But actual volume itself will be lower. And that'll obviously feed through into earnings and estimates as for these retailers. Again, you know, we've we've heard from Best Buy, we've heard from Target, we've heard from uh, Walmart, mixed bag of, of earnings. But it hasn't been, oh, our earnings are great. Earnings were just not as bad as expected. They're still declining, right? Earnings are still declining. Estimates are still falling. It just wasn't as bad as expected. And that's really kind of hard to build a bullish rally on when things aren't getting better. They're still getting worse, just you know, you're just not falling off the cliff as fast, right? Um, so 
one of the things that we'll be looking for is when those estimates stop falling and when those reports stop falling and actually start to stabilize, that'll suggest that we're getting close to whatever the bottom of this economic downturn is going to be. But um, from your standpoint, you know, a lot of consumers are going to be spending a lot more this this season. Well, I, I don't know. You know, it's interesting because we talked to a lot of our clients. It seems to be that they're kind of reining things in and saying, hey, we're still going to do things. We're still shopping or we're still traveling, but maybe not doing the things that we were historically going to do. And, you know, I tell people all the time, we, we talk and look at financial plans and, and we talk to people, hey, how was, how, how, what was, how was your trip this summer? Or how was the trip to, you know, to Yellowstone this fall? Well, shoot, are you kidding me? I didn't go there. Why not? Well, I'm not spending the money. Have you seen gas prices? Or yeah. have you seen airfare? Uh, yeah, airfare. It's like, no way, I'm not doing that. And I'm like, well, in your plan, you're still good. You can do these things. But I think people are doing a good job of cutting back. But then you hear these stories about savings rates being at all-time lows, and then you are you know, pre-pandemic lows, and then we have average credit card balances are at pre-pandemic highs, right? Mm -hmm. We're above that. But now we're, we're, su we're suggesting that we're going to shop more during this time. And so this is what scares me in, in a lot of ways. I think that people are out there just saying, you know, and Rich and I talked about this uh, last Friday or Friday before about, you know, people, it's kind of the YOLO all over again yeah. with the pandemic, like, hey, screw it, we're going to do it. And the issue becomes that we get in this, we get in this trouble and we are beginning to finally see some layoffs. Granted, it still kind of seems to be, you know, where, you know, it's, it's within the headquarters or it's the white collar jobs more than blue collar. So we don't have this mass layoff as of yet, but we're beginning to get more and more information. So this is where we want to be more prudent. We want to make sure we have the emergency funds. We have the financial vulnerability cushion, but people are going out and spending. And another thing, Lance, that we're seeing more of layaways. Companies are doing more and more layaways. And you know what? I am more in favor of somebody going out and doing a, putting a product on layaway than I am with them going out and getting the credit card yeah. and, and buying it because, you know, we still see a lot of that. Well, hey, you know, low interest, you know, we're not seeing the zero interest as much as we used to, but it's still there. And the problem is, is that if you can't afford something now, you shouldn't be buying it. You know, you shouldn't say, hey, things are going to get better. And, you know, look, I'm optimistic. I think you are as well. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we do think that things are going to be better. But for everybody, that's not always the case. And, you know, what happens if something happens to you and if you can't make your ends meet, but we went out and bought XYZ because we had to go impress your cousin, your girlfriend, or whoever it may be at Christmas, that's an issue. You yeah. know the best Christmas present is? The ones that are made. The ones that are paid for by the well, time Christmas gets true. here. Yeah. No bills in January. No, ah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And, and that's, but that's the problem is that so many people wait and say, oh, well, okay. it's going to be okay. I'm getting that, I'm getting the promotion. I'm getting the raise, the bonus. Yeah. What if it doesn't come? Yeah. No, that's exactly what happens in a lot of cases. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, part of this too, it's, you know, and I've tried to pass this, I've, I've talked about this probably every year on the radio for the last 10 years is that, you know, if I had my wish with my family, what I would do is I would just give everybody a picture of what they're going to get for Christmas and then buy it when it goes on sale after Christmas. Because you, you could save a lot of money, right? Yeah. Um, but nobody ever goes for that. It's an IOU. <laughs> yes, exactly. You can go run, run down the street and show your friends what you're getting tomorrow. You yeah. should frame it. <laughs> exactly. Hey, just keep this. Put it on your wall. It's going to give you motivation. Yeah. If you save enough money, you can have this too. Yeah. No, and, no, and it, it's very it's very challenging, right? I mean, it, it's, it's hard because, again, you, you're kind of, you know, in the retail, look, Christmas is really not about buying presents, right? It's, it's it's about a religious celebration. Yeah. And, you know, we kind of forget that. We've gotten so wrapped up into the commercialization of Christmas. Well, of there's yeah. this, you know, this, you know, demand. And if you don't go buy your kids a cell phone for Christmas this year, you're going to be a bad parent because everybody else got one, right? 
And, you know, that's and, and we've kind of pushed ourselves into in this position. And every year we feel like, well, we've got to spend more because we've got to have a bigger Christmas than we had last year because yeah. everybody kind of expects that. And, mm-hmm. you know, people just get themselves further and further into debt. And again, it, it's all fine. You know, it all seems easy right now. And, and again, you know, this is the big challenge that, you know, we're working through with our kids right now is that just because you're, you're ripping a debit card through things, right? It, it doesn't really register that that's actually money. And it's easy to run up a, a credit card really fast because it's, it's kind of ethereal money, but it has real consequences. Like like Brent said, when the bills come due in January, all of a sudden you're like, holy crap, I spent how much? Because you're just going through and it's like, oh, I'll buy this, I'll buy this. And yeah. you do four or five shopping trips and they, each shopping trip's maybe a couple hundred bucks. And then you get the bill in January and it's like, 1500 bucks, whatever it is. It's like, wow. I, you know, and now, now how are you going to pay for it now? 19% interest, my friends. Yeah. On that. Well, I, I tell you what, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing because like you mentioned, it's these kids always think they want, want, want my kids. I was going to say they don't want for much. Well, they probably want for a lot, but they don't need much. Right. Right. Uh, I think they have, have what they need. And that's a good thing is you got to put this in perspective and, and understand that it's not a race. It's not, you know, most of these things are fleeting. Heck, half the time kids like the boxes more than they like the toy. Oh yeah, as as it is, and so uh, I am encouraged, Lance. I did a career day at my second grader's school last week, and um, I'm encouraged like hearing back from parents, like the stuff they took from it, mm-hmm. and some of the questions they had. Like they, some of these kids knew the difference between a credit card and a debit card. Mm-hmm. Um, they understood how to save. Half the class had a savings account. Um, half had, had no idea, but um, you know that's to be expected that age. Yeah, but. Really good questions, um, understanding, you know, putting funds away. You know, and my main goal with them is like understanding like how to, you know, what you, how you prioritize saving, what you do, because I think that's difficult to understand. And so in our house, we always kind of do the uh, spend, save, give. So, right. you know, you split it up in threes and okay, hey, you don't have to put it all in one spot or, or split up evenly to the three, but I want to see where they prioritize funds just so I can learn a little bit about more of their money, uh, their money habits. And so I think that it's a it's a good thing to do. And so I was really encouraged though about how many of these kids actually gave to charity or put funds away to help people. Or they're talking about Christmas and like they are actually, oh, you know, we're going through all of our old toys. We're giving stuff to people that need it. And I think that that's something that, yeah. you know, we need to do a better job as as parents of making sure they understand that Christmas isn't just about getting, but giving is also an important part of it. But you don't need to break the bank to do so. And unfortunately, Danny will never be asked back to that because he told the other half of the class that had no savings accounts, their parents were losers and they were terrible parents. <laughs> oh, I did uh, screw up. I, asked, <laughs> I, I was trying to get a, I was trying to get a good idea of, and I tell you what, I've done like, like I went to a high school here that, um, yeah, I did this years ago and like every kid was like, okay, do you own Berkshire Hathaway? If so, which share class is A or B? I mean, just like all these bizarre questions, yeah. right? They're trying to get a, get a feel and just jack with you, right? These kids were great questions, but I screwed up because I asked who had an allowance, and evidently there's a lot of kids that don't. Yeah. And so, because I was trying to make it real from like, okay, you get an allowance, here's let's break it down, uh, or do you get money for Christmas, or you know what happens? Some of them are like, yeah, I get money, but it goes to my parents. I don't know where it goes. Yeah. So you identify the haves versus the, the have-nots. Have yeah. 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 Or it may not be the have-nots. <laughs> it's just the parents that are, you know. Yeah. It's like now, you know, 42% of Americans recently surveyed in a poll said that giving to charity was only for the privileged. Ooh, really? So, yeah. But again, you know, not surprising when you have a tough economy, you've lost a lot of money to markets and demand, right? Yeah. 
Well, that's, that's disheartening because you can give in so many different ways, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you don't have to give in money. You can give yeah. in, in time. In that's time what they effort. need a lot of times, just as much or more. Absolutely. All right. That wraps up the thanks, the pre-Thanksgiving warm-up edition show. Have a great, happy Thanksgiving tomorrow. Enjoy your time with your family, your friends. Have a great meal. Enjoy yourself. Um, and, of course, you know we'll be back next week with what's going to happen next after we get through the holiday season. We get ready to wrap up the year. We'll start doing a lot of talk about positioning for next year and what that means and potentially what happens if the Fed does indeed break something. (laughs) We will take care of that then. Have a great Thanksgiving. We'll see you next time on The Real Investment Show. Have a great weekend. 